This is Dirt and Sprague. Ours is a new love, but it burns very brightly, and it gets hot and sweaty and stanky. There's some stank on that love. With Andy Dirt Johnson. You think you're going to find somebody that's going to be like psyched to go to Applebee's with you? It'll be Friday night, and hear the same football stories about how you rocked in high school. I did rock in high school football. You want to check tape? And Brandon Sprague. You know about the uh, cup sizes and all? They have different cups. Yeah, I, I know about the cup. You got the A, the the C, the D. That's the biggest. I know the D is the biggest. I based my whole life on knowing that the D is the biggest. Dirt and Spray on 1080, The Fan. Welcome back in. Hour number two. Dirt and Spray here on Portland Sports Leader, 1080, The Fan. Good morning. Happy to be here on this hump day. It's a nice little Wednesday morning. Hump, 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 hump. Kevin Aglin's going to join us from 105.3 The Fan out in Dallas. We'll talk about their wild card win over the Bucks and uh, get a preview of their divisional round game against the Niners. Boy, that's uh, the rivalry. We had it last year, and it was fun to talk about. The rivalry's back again this year. There is not a more aesthetically pleasing uniform combination in all of sports. It is the best one. That is, as, Cowboys versus Niners is as good as you can get. I think... Uh, I think the second best is, is it Yankees, Red Sox? It's no, kind of similar. screw Yankees. I can't do that I'm anymore. just talking about jerseys. I know. I, I care about no, the game. Screw, no, no, oh, okay. no. Right, Stupid right. grays. It just says Red Sox It's probably Ducks front. and Beavers, isn't ducks it? Ducks and Beavers. Yellow, yellow and orange. Come on. <laughs> Everybody watches that game from across the country and goes, Green and yellow, orange and black. What are we doing here? Actually, it might. It probably is another NFL one for me. Now I'm biased. I think the 49ers have one of the best uniforms in all the sports. Just the color combos. Big fan of all of it. Sure. If but I also the Cowboys are in that conversation as well. Like if you give me Packers Cowboys in a game at like Lambeau Field, that's up there. Or Niners and Packers like we got last year as well. That's a, that's about as good as you could get. I rewatched the last drive of the Niner Packer game this morning. It was on like the NFL Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah. You need to reevaluate your Jimmy G hate. That one that one field goal drive that he led, huh? Wow. Threw some dimes. Dimes in baby. the snow. Dimes in the snow. You know who was sitting on the sidelines because he couldn't throw dimes in the snow? <laughs> who was? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yes, he was. Jimmy Garoppolo should be wanted more why than Why did Aaron the uh, why did the 49ers win that game? Uh, because Jimmy G completed like seven passes and got oh, him within yeah. field goal range for Robbie Gold. I didn't know he was the one that blocked the punt, returned it for a touchdown. I didn't know that was him. He plays special teams, too. That's impressive, man. Takes a village. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> what, did he complete nine passes in that game? <laughs> I saw like four of those nine, though. You can't do this. You can't be anti-Brock Purdy and pro-Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? It's either both or none. Do you know Brock Purdy? I saw this yesterday um from this website i've been looking at the last couple weeks rbsdm.com it sounds I, like a porn site it does sound like yeah. a porn site but if you go to rbsdm.com i'm into those rbs's you can get really really nerdy with football okay it is a stats driven website it is very basic and they go into everything yesterday i discovered brock purdy 55 percent of his passing yards come from yak <laughs> i mean yeah he's, he's not He's not, like, pushing the ball down the field that much. It's just Shanahan is dialing up incredible plays. They have the best playmakers in the NFL, man. There's no no teams who's, like, if you had to pick tight end, wide receiver, core, and running back group, there's nobody in the NFL you would take over San Francisco. Maybe wide receiver, sure. Maybe a tight end, sure. Maybe a running back, sure. But if you combine the three of them, skill position players, you can't name me one. You can't do it. Yeah, because you don't have quite the receiver in Kansas City, but you've got Kelsey. 
You got Kelsey, I'd take probably over Kittle, but uh, the wide receivers and running backs, no, I'm not taking them over McCaffrey or Debo. My hot take is I would only take Kelsey over Kittle because Kittle gets hurt. I think Kittle's a better football player. Yeah, he's a better blocking tight end, that's for sure. That's my two cents, and I know everybody's going to say that's the stupidest thing because Kelsey might end up breaking all the records. He could very well could. Uh, And he's having a fantastic career. Uh, That being said, so I'm looking yesterday, and... I wanted to talk a little bit more about Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Okay. Not about the game. We talked about the game itself. But there's an article on The Ringer that does a fantastic job. And it basically says, tragedy, comedy, and many shanked kicks. A complete history of the Chargers' failures. God, I was watching highlights of them when they were, I believe, the number one seed in the AFC. 14-2, and two, Marty Schottenheimer And they team. lost to, I don't know if this was the, it might, it might have been, the one when they lost to the Jets and Rex Ryan, and they're a kicker who was a Pro Bowl kicker, had missed like two field goals all year, missed three in the game, and they lost 17-14 at home. And this article goes through every single heartbreak the Chargers have suffered. It's a lot, buddy. It, it is a ton. It's regular season. It's playoff. It's fourth and 29 games. It's... <laughs> It was a down. It was supposed to be a kneel down by Philip Rivers against the Chiefs. He fumbled the snap. <laughs> Chiefs got the ball, ended up winning the game, and the Broncos beat the Chargers to win the tiebreaker, so they lost the division. <laughs> they blew 21-point lead against Houston. I guess I, I read this, and I went through all these games, and I relived some of these moments that I'd remembered. And I want to ask you just point blank. As they fired Joe Lombardi yesterday, the quarterback coach, there's a scapegoat, threw him right under the bus. And hey, Staley's like, it ain't my fault. <laughs> I don't know anything with the offense, even though my defense sucked in the second half. Can Justin Herbert overcome the Chargers? Can he can he outplay basically what his franchise has become? And I hate to say this because we have some Charger listener fans out there. Mm-hmm. The sad reality is, and I think you know this, you're just notorious for coming up short and not winning when it actually matters. <laughs> That's all the Chargers are known for. That is what they're known for. Uh, quite literally, they always they're, they're, it's a chargering. It's like cooging it. It's a thing in the NFL. We do not talk about the. Are they cursed? Like we don't bring that up enough. Like are the Chargers just cursed because this team, for over a decade, has done nothing but tear their fan base's heart out. I think they need to sacrifice a live chicken to get the hex off of Jose's glove. I think that's the only answer here for the Chargers. They undoubtedly are cursed. You cannot point to me any other reason why this continuously happens to this organization, no matter who the coach is, no matter who the players are. Like, there's a certain vibe around that with the Blazer fans when you have injuries, guys you draft, whiffing on. Like, these generations are completely different, yet it feels like you're dealing with the same problems. This Chargers team, there is not a soul on that team that was a part of some of these blown leads in, like, 2008. 2009 and 2010 when they were great and blowing playoff games but they're still finding a way to do it they have a different head coach they have a different general manager hell they play in a different city now and it's still the same old chargers so yeah there is a certain aspect of buying into curses for me when it comes to a team struggling this much can he overcome it i mean unfortunately the answer is probably not and i think there's a couple of reasons for that one look at the afc for the next 10 years Look at the quarterback play in the AFC for the next decade, this generation that is coming up. And there might even be more added to the bunch in coming drafts that, that are unbelievable players that come out of nowhere. Of all the teams 
most of them seem to have their S figured out to a certain extent, right? Like Cincinnati's got their coach, quarterback, great wide receivers. Buffalo's got Josh Allen. McDermott's been a great head coach. He got, you know, ended the playoff drought there, even when Josh Allen wasn't great. And now he has excelled uh, beyond what people thought was capable. You got Mahomes gets to play with Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, the team that they just lost to this weekend, went out and hired a coach that won a Super Bowl a couple years ago that I firmly believe is one of the better coaches in the league. And he's got a track record to prove it. Like all these organizations have their s together and then there's the chargers and it's kind of an unfortunate thing where as a as a guy rooting for justin herbert to succeed in the nfl i kind of throw my hands i just i don't trust the organization at all spanos is one of the worst owners in all sports he always has been they play in a city that doesn't want them they play every game is on the road for them they have no home home fan base no home support maybe they they hit a home run with this oc hire and it changes my mind but guess what's going to happen in two years if they hit a home run with this oc hire he's going to leave for a head coaching job and you're going to go have to go hire another oc because you hired a defensive coach with a young quarterback which they should have never done so unfortunately i i don't know if he can overcome it i I hope that he can but it's it's going to be an uphill battle yeah week 5 2016 the chargers lost to the raiders 34 31 after their punter had the field goal snap go right through his hands and it bounced backwards. They lost the game. They had a stretch where they lost all these close games, the Chiefs, the Saints, the Colts, and the Raiders. The Wall Street Journal calculated the odds of them losing all of those games. Oh, my God. It was 1 in 30 million. I think you might be cursed if you're losing in a 1 in 30 scenario. They have uh they had the one AFC title game that they finally broke through to and Ladanian Tomlinson wasn't healthy enough to play and Philip Rivers had to play on one leg. Now, you said something there though that stuck out to me. Herbert might be screwed here because his owner's awful and the franchise just not had things go their way. But you you named one team at the very beginning of that rant, the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. one of many that you named with quarterback organization. You know, it wasn't like the Chiefs weren't also kind of like the Chargers in this way. And then they got Mahomes. Well, I would say they landed Andy Reid first. They well, had success. Sure. He went, with Alex Smith, they were a successful team, but and then they, they made their move. Yeah, but they were doing what the Chargers were doing. They were, in a, they, lost, they were losing to Marcus Mariota, who was completing yep. a pass to himself for a touchdown at home. Because they were limited at the most important position on the field. When you get that position, you tend to be able to turn the ship in the right direction. No matter how the season ends, I think you'd say the ship is at least pointed the right way-ish. Yeah, It's not heading towards the iceberg. I mean, they benefited greatly from a a very weak schedule late in the season to rattle off wins to get to the playoffs. Yeah, but you know what? Schedule breaks are going to happen. By almost all of the QB metrics, Justin Herbert was a top-10 quarterback. In some metrics, he's top five. Mm -hmm. So your thing on Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, like, yeah, Andy Reid is one of the better football coaches of all time. But they were nothing more than a wild card team until Patrick Mahomes got there, and now every year it's like probably going to win the Super Bowl or be there. I I just I think you could get there. You got to hire the right head coach. And you I don't think, have the right head coach. That's that was kind of my big takeaway yesterday. I'm driving home and I was thinking about the the Staley thing. Like they're going to keep him and they're firing the OC. And I'm like, uh, so we're just going to overlook the fact the defense gave up a 27 nothing lead and hasn't been very good the two years he's been there and that's his forte. He's a play I, caller defensively. I, it just if I'm a Charger fan yesterday, I'm more pissed than I am relieved because I tweeted I was like, hey, great news for Herbert from our show page and somebody said it's good. Great would have been firing Staley and I was like, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah, I'm pissed yesterday because you only get the Sean Payton scenarios only so often available in your life. Mm-hmm. And those are the organizations, those are the moments where I think the smart teams who find themselves in the crap 
go, oh, here's my saving grace. We'll see where Sean Payton decides to go. Maybe it's Houston and to start anew and build that thing from the bottom. Maybe it's Denver. And he says, despite not having assets, despite what Russell Wilson looked like, I did this with Drew Brees. I can do this. But, like, when you get a coach that established, you got to take chances and you got to do things you're not comfortable with doing. And they're not going to do that. They're going to bring Staley back. I don't think there's any evidence that suggests that they do it. There, there was a, a good deep dive. Um, I want to say it was PFF. They went through the analytics just in the Jags-Chargers game. Doug Peterson vastly outcoached Brandon Staley. Despite the 27 nothing deficit, everything Staley chose to do instead of going for it on fourth down. We mentioned the Keenan Allen missed throw, right? Mm-hmm. They kick a field goal there. Instead of going for it at the four-yard line. Up 24 nothing to make it 31 nothing. Every field goal decision Staley made, instead of going for it, cost his team greatly, and he went at a 13% clip of success rate. Doug Peterson went at a 30%. So on fourth down, Doug Peterson's like, yo, we're doing this. You get the penalty. Yo, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. All of those decisions put them in that position to come back and win, Whereas, like, Staley plays this, I go for it on fourth down mindset, and then in certain situations just backs away from it. It's inconsistent, and it doesn't largely seem like something that's going to win out. But I think because of the quarterback position, there's still a lot of Charger fans that feel hopeful that this thing can maybe get steered into an even bigger direction. He's undoubtedly a top-10 quarterback in the NFL, but you need help as a young quarterback in this league. And that's the frustrating part is it feels like a lot of these young quarterbacks that are now in that next tier of stars for the league for the next 10, 15 years, they have the coach in place. They have the organizational support in place that they need. How many titles will they win? That's anybody's guess. But they well, it's have, hard to win the right? title. They I mean. have what they need, though, to succeed yeah. at the highest level. And I think you can make a pretty strong argument. I know people roll their eyes and say these are excuses. I I don't think that they are. I think these are just simply facts. And when you're looking at the head coaches that all the young quarterbacks are playing for, Brandon Staley is in last place. To go get a guy like Sean Payton, it takes an owner, one, with balls, and two, that's willing to – to invest in his organization because not only you have to pay a coach about twice as what as, as much as you're paying Brandon Staley right now, you're going to have to give up assets to go get him. He's still under contract, you know, contract by the New Orleans Saints. You're going to have to trade a first round pick to go get him. I think that he's worth it, but the Chargers clearly disagree and they're going to stick with Brandon Staley. And I'm just praying for Herbert's sake that it doesn't end up backfiring and setting his career back another year. Yeah, a couple more things I want to get to. Kevin Hagelin will join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Dirt and Sprague, we're back with more on 1080. The All-star closer, Kenley Jansen. We have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Kevin Hagelin will join us coming up. 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, our good friend, will get his thoughts from their wild card victory against the Bucks and their uh, divisional round matchup against San Francisco at 3.30 on Sunday. I am, God, I'm jacked for some football this weekend. Cannot wait. We will have that game on the fan, too. Right here on the fan. Because, of course, I would know that. Uh, yeah, of course you would. I get the schedule every week. Read it every day. Swag works his ass off. I get the schedule. I got it right here. It's open on a tab. Nobody every, told me in my ear. Every, Why would anybody need to tell me that? Every day, baby. Come on, I'm listening to the fan all the time. 
Uh, talking about coaching, coaching just matters. It I mean, does. Like, how would you stack up the coaches left in the postseason? Ooh, that's a fun question. Francisco, that's a fun name to say. Kyle Shanahan, to me, who is the number one coach left in the postseason? I'm telling you, you got a great, complete team. Yeah. The coach you trust the most to win is Oh, blank. wow. Is blank. Well, I guess by that metric, I'd... Well, you know what? No, screw that. I'm going Kyle Shanahan, because if Kyle Shanahan had Patrick Mahomes, he'd have a Super Bowl ring by now. Now, he also chose not to take Patrick Mahomes. That's a whole other conversation, but... Well, they, they, Jimmy had just, I think when I go back to that, <laughs> don't touch Jimmy. Jimmy had just won five games he to end their year. Five in a row at the end of the year. They thought, oh, we got the next Tom Brady. We don't need a Mahomes or an Allen. Let's go get Solomon Thomas. Isn't it crazy to think back that that might, I mean, we'll see what happens with the 49ers going forward. It's one of the worst draft picks of all time, and yet look how good they still are. They're still dominant. They blew that pick, and they're still this amazing. That five-game winning streak might end up being the worst thing to ever happen to the 49ers because maybe they draft Patrick Mahomes in that draft. If he goes one and four in those five games that he starts, doesn't play well, you know, instead of having Solomon Thomas, who I don't even, where did he end up? He's in Vegas. He's somewhere. He bounced around. I think a he's bunch. in Vegas now. Yeah. Instead of taking a defensive lineman that is no longer on your roster, you might have drafted the most generationally talented quarterback we've seen in 30 years in the NFL. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were there. <laughs> they didn't take him. I still don't go with Kyle Shanahan. I I think what he's had to work with a third string quarterback, winning 13 games, it's insane. I there's no other coach in my mind that can do this. Oh, oh uh, no other coach. I don't think so with a third wow. string quarterback. I I go Kyle Shanahan number one. I would go Andy Reid number two. Okay. Then things get a little complicated. I would go Doug Peterson three because he has a Super Bowl ring, and I yeah, I want to give him credit for that. Doug Peterson three? I go Doug Peterson three. God, then take. it's tough because Dayball's riding the heater right now, but he's only been a head coach for one year. Yeah. Sirianni's great, but a little, in, you know, also a younger head coach. McDermott has been awesome. I go, I go McDermott four. Never been to a... He's been to an AFC okay. title game, right. but he's never been to a Super Bowl. He might go this year. McDermott, four. Sirianni, five. Just because he's got one more year under his belt, playoff appearance. Dayball, six. Dayball? Okay. Who do I got left? Wow. Who's left? McCarthy. McCarthy. And yeah. Zach Taylor. And Zach Taylor. I go Zach Taylor, then McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. I think McCarthy. McCarthy's dead last. We, for but what does McCarthy have that most of those coaches don't? He's he got has, a ring. He's got a ring. He's got a Lombardi. I can't wait to see him coach next year after his defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator both take head coaching jobs. And we're left asking, what does Mike McCarthy do here? You think Kellen Moore's going to get a head coaching job? I wouldn't be surprised by it. Really? If they go on, if they win he this weekend. He a bunch last is, year. Yeah. I know. And, and the stats would actually argue, like, He's amazing, but some games I'm like, what is he doing? What's he calling? How there? much of that too is a quarterback he has to work with? Uh, you know, I mean, these things go hand in hand. Yeah, that's the other thing about Dak's more. Dak, what is Dak? Top fifteen? He's more in that window than he is like top. Yeah, seven, he's eight. that ten to fifteen. That's kind of what I think too. I, still, I think he's back in top ten. I do. I know the that's turnovers fine. are a problem, fine. but I think he's back in. If top you think 10. he's like 9, 10, 11 in that I don't range. think there's 10 names that you could strongly tell me that you would take over Dak. Maybe, uh, yeah, lean this strongly. way. Strongly. Strongly tell me. No. There's not 10 names you could tell me you'd take over Dak. It's a fart in the wind, man. Any given moment, it could go any direction with those with those guys. I mean, it always it's always changing. Outside of Mahomes, Allen, um, Herbert, Burrow. Like, outside of those names... Sure, your three, four automatics that, that are at the top of the list... You're kind of debating everything else, and it's just about you're splitting personal hairs, Yeah, you kind of are. Yeah. Uh, Swag, who would you choose if I made you choose a coach remaining in the postseason? Dirt said something interesting, and I want to get to that, but I'm curious <laughs> um, what you think. I, I would probably uh, lean more to Andy Reid. 
than uh, Shanahan. What's the reason for that? Sometimes I think Shanahan gets uh, too stubborn in his creativity. That, that's true. Time management can be an issue for him, too. Too uh, stubborn in his can be an creativity. Issue. That's an interesting Yeah, thing. so um, I think Andy Reid usually – and Shanahan will, too, go back um, to his conservative roots at times. I think Reed's more likely to do the thing that you would never expect, but he has the the insight to do it just at the right time. Do you know who is who is uh, more likely to pass on first down in the NFL? Who Shanahan or Reed? It's Kansas City by a mile. Yeah. I San would Francisco, throw every first down too if I had Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. San Francisco near the bottom of that list. Like, yeah. like, like somebody texted one in, of the worst in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan is a choke artist, and I look. I get it. The guy's lost the Super Bowl. He blew He's a lead in that two, Super Bowl because people give him that Atlanta. Sure, one. the Atlanta one. That's they blame fine him for that. He was the offense coordinator. They lost the NFC Championship game last year. This is the funny part that I like to bring up. Though, what did we say about Andy Reid before he got Patrick Mahomes? It's a lot of the same stuff. A lot of the same stuff. He was a horrible clock management guy. He, I still got, think he kind of is. Sure, maybe he still is. He yeah. got close a bunch with Philly, couldn't get over the hump. They only got to one Super Bowl. How many Five. NFC title games did they go to in Five a row? Five in a row. Five in a row. They only won one of them. They were one in four in NFC title games. Yep. When he went to Kansas City and he had Alex Smith, the situation we were just talking about, they won a lot of games. What could they not do? They could not win a playoff game. Like It's just hilarious to me how quickly these narratives change. And Andy Reid is an all-time great coach. He was before Patrick Mahomes, and he is after. It's just hilarious that once you give him maybe the greatest quarterback in NFL history when it's all said and done, we'll see how it goes. Now now Andy Reid's great. Well, I mean, he was always a good coach. He just has the piece to go with it. I mean, we also just talked about the guy we put last place here, right? There's some perspective for, for people out there. Maybe Shanahan, for a lot of people listening, is that. He's a choke artist. Maybe that's a thing for people. We love to do that to, to athletes and coaches until they do it, and then we either nitpick the next thing they're not doing or we go, okay, he's great. <laughs> like Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers – at maybe the best possible point of his life. Yes. And did what? They won the Super Bowl. Won a Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy would not be picked by anybody to coach their team in a pivotal playoff run. So to that listener's, like to counter that listener's point, you're labeling Shanahan the choke artist. I maybe, maybe you'll be right. But Mike McCarthy has a Lombardi. What was the difference? Aaron Rodgers. Now no Aaron Rodgers. Right. He is in the division around of the playoffs with the last pick in the NFL draft, and he's won 11 games in a row with the last pick in the NFL draft. I, I just I, – I, um, I think the Shanahan thing is an interesting thing to follow because I do think Dallas can win this weekend. Oh, of course I can. Sometimes my only critique of Shanahan – one, I don't think he goes for it enough. He does – he settles for points. I think a, a real reason for that is he, he trusts his defense enough. I think the other part, and he's also had quarterbacks where it's like, yo, I, points are a premium at this point. Easier to go for it on fourth and short with Mahomes throwing it. The other thing that strikes me about Shanahan is I think he's got of a, I wouldn't say what Swag said. Like, he lacks, he's stubborn creatively. I would say he has a little bit of what Peyton had. Not Sean Peyton, Peyton Manning. I think sometimes he's got such a football brain that I think it can he gets in his own brain. You know what I mean? Like he's like he outthinks oh, the room. He yeah. can over yeah, because like Peyton had a fantastic career, a success by every definition. But for those who thought Peyton would win more than two, and especially win more than one in the prime of his career, I think some of those years were just Peyton 
from time to time, maybe getting in his own way and overthinking situations. Like he knew so much and it's like trying to compute all of that. And it's like, <laughs> oh, well, I didn't want to throw there three picks in New England. Right, right. And I think that happens. I think it's possible. He calls a, a fullback trap run on fourth and short instead of just turning around and handing it to a running back. Like, sure. Like, let's, like, we don't need to outthink the room. And yes. I remember they had one of those calls in the uh, NFC Championship game last year. It just You're just getting too cute. Yeah. Run your offense. You're going to be okay. I, um, I'm curious to see what the division round brings us for conference championship weekend, but the, the list of coaches, like you put Dayball six. I don't even know if I'd put Dayball that low. I know he's only yeah. done this for one season, but it's been a great season. It's been a great year. And now you're wondering, is Daniel Jones a franchise quarterback? <laughs> I didn't think I'd say that at the end of the football season. Did you? If they beat Philly this weekend, he is. You got to wonder. Kevin Hagelin covers the Dallas Cowboys for 105.3 The Fan. Also hosts a show there. We'll get his thoughts coming up on their wild card win and their matchup against San Francisco. And then Statter Story at 8.15. Dirt and Sprague back with more of the Daily Ticker. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Pelican Brewing presents the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit with the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about. And some you haven't. How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague is brought to you by Pelican Brewing. Born at the Beach. All right, Daily Ticker Time here on a Wednesday. Brought to you in the fan by Pelican Brewing Company. Born at the Beach online at pelicanbrewing.com. Let's go to the division round of the playoffs. The game that I know we're all excited for. The closest point spread this weekend in the NFL. It's San Francisco. It is Dallas. The Cowboys get their first road playoff win in a long, long time. Is the closest spread? I believe so. Four points. Yeah, let me hold on. Oh, yeah, because Cincinnati Buffalo was like five. You got five and a half in Buffalo, Cincinnati. You got seven and a half in Philly, New York. And you got eight and a half in uh, Jacksonville and Kansas City. So this is the closest one we got. Kevin Hagelin, our good buddy from Dallas, 105.3, the fan at OhThankKevin on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Kevin, good morning to you. How are they feeling in Big D, man? First road playoff win in a long time. Are the Dallas Cowboys officially back on the map? It's been 30 years since they had a road playoff win. So every time you say a long time, I'm like, yeah, it's 30 years. And it really, really hurts. That last road playoff win, incidentally enough, was against the San Francisco 49ers. And I think, I think people are pretty stoked around here. But there are also, as you could probably guess, a certain amount of Cowboys fans that are programmed for doom and gloom and are just waiting and counting down <laughs> the days until they get it beat down by the Niners. <laughs> it's all, You make it sound like, Kevin, it's, it's almost something that they enjoy in a sick way that they're just like, yeah, that team's better than us. They're going to beat us. That just stems from last year, right? There, no, 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 no. It stems from 27 years of not being who we used to be. We definitely have some masochistic Cowboys fans around here. I think they dig the fact that we're going up against the San Francisco team that beat us last year, and they're like, you just wait. Because you know how it is. I'm sure you guys run into this all the time. People would rather be right than happy that their team won. So yeah. we have people who are like, they're going to get destroyed by the Niners. And you know they're kind of rooting for that. <laughs> so funny, man. <laughs> I love the way the fans will, will twist things in their mind. Let's get to a couple of things. And we were just talking about this before we brought you on, Kevin. And that is just how you feel about head coaches that are left in the playoffs. So I know Mike McCarthy, like the, the whole thing about him getting hired and then like lying to Jerry Jones about watching film was really weird. <laughs> and losing the playoffs last year right out of the gate. You're like, okay, he's probably gone. They stick with him. Now they've won a playoff game. Are the tides shifting on Mike McCarthy? Is this, hey, you got a great OC and a great DC, and that's why you're winning? How are people down there feeling about the head coach? 
I think I think the tides are kind of shifting because people appreciate now don't get me wrong like I'm not saying this is the level of success of Jimmy Johnson or anything like that but he allowed so much responsibility to his OC and DC and was like a manager of people and I think more and more people are starting to see that like Mike McCarthy might be an effective manager of people of people so he might not fit like your traditional thought of when y'all you know, were talking about watching film breaking down analytics and still understanding time clock management, which I have an issue with and things of that ilk, but he seems to be a really good manager of people. And maybe that's just what this thing needs. We've tried everything else. Kevin, I, I emailed the Dallas Cowboys and I asked him to refund my bet. I made the week they played Washington and completely no showed. And they actually pointed to, they pointed to you. They said, Kevin Eglin's going to have to pay you back for that. Not us. That's his responsibility. So before you pay me back, I want to ask, why did why what is it about this team? What is it about them that shows me that game against Washington and then in a playoff game where a lot of people are fading them because it's Tom Brady and they don't trust Dak, they play maybe their best game of the year. Like what is it about Dallas that has this Jekyll and Hyde kind of nature to them? So I know the number one argument would be that they're allergic to success. And I know a lot of people firmly believe that. Let me tell you this, though. If I could accurately predict which Cowboys team was going to show up every single week, I would have enough money to pay back your bet, your bet, and everybody's bet in the world because I'd be the richest human on planet Earth. Like, watch out, Elon Musk. Here I come. Because I don't get it. And, like, Jerry Jones told us, Mike McCarthy told us, they weren't sandbagging against Washington. They were trying in hopes that they would get the number one seed. And they got straight up punched in the face. And then they go out there and dominate against Tampa. The one thing I will say is Tampa is a bad team. Like, I said that again and again going into this. I know Tom Brady, playoff magic, all of that. But that is a bad team. So you thumped around a bad team. This is a marked step up in competition. Yeah, we'll see how they handle it. Kevin Hagelin is our guest, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Now we got to get to the, the big storyline from Wild Card Weekend. And I, I guess one of them was that Dak Prescott maybe played the best game of his career. The only thing that we were focusing sure. on late in that game, though, was what was going on with the kicker situation. And it, it kept me around. Like Now, I was a heavy Cowboy minus two and a half better, despite them biting me in week 18. The first two, I screamed at my television, Brett Maher, you're a bum, go home. The next two were just, I mean, that, at that point, it was like certifiably funny. They're sticking with him. Make that make sense. Yeah, so I wonder if at any point you yelled at your TV like Dak Prescott did when he said, then go the F for two, right. which was amazing. I got to tell you, I, I don't have a good explanation for why they're sticking with him. So how about I tell you an anecdote about the saga of Brett Maher okay. when it came to my wife? Is My wife is watching the game with me, and by the time he missed the second and they kept showing him, she goes, oh, I just feel so sad for him. And then he misses three, four. She is just so depressed for him, even though we're dominating the game. By the time he made the fifth, extra point or the first extra point on the fifth attempt, she looked at me and her eyes were kind of watering and she goes, I think I might cry. And <laughs> so the emotional to that was something I was not prepared for. And I, the Cowboys like to lean back on regular season success because like he did have a phenomenal regular season. I am surprised that they are not bringing in competition for this week. Uh, Kevin, 10-year-old me cannot bring bring myself to actually say Cowboys win, but I, if I'm just looking at a betting angle, the way I saw them play last week, the Brock Purdy like love story is if he's like Patrick Mahomes. I kind of like Cowboys getting four points this weekend on the road. 
again, the consistency thing will be brought up, and we'll see what they do there. What do you like about this matchup? I know they beat them last year in the wild card round, but what we've seen from these two teams, what do you like in terms of matchups for Dallas? I think one of the, the biggest thing you have to like from that matchup of Dallas against Tampa Bay that could potentially transfer over is that secondary played phenomenally against Tampa. And that's the key against San Francisco. Because I know Brock Purdy went off against Seattle. I'm not disrespecting that. But if you look at the splits between wide receivers with five yards of separation, which is an enormous amount of separation, mm -hmm. versus under five yards of separation, Brock Purdy struggled under five yards of separation. So if your defensive backfield can play competently, you can maybe rattle him. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, there you go, Kevin Hagelin. I can't wait, man. Niners. Is this the most aesthetically pleasing uniform game for you two? Like Niners and Cowboys is as good is as good as it gets for me. Yeah, I could see that, but I also have an intrinsic hate in my heart for the 49ers because yeah. of the history, so yes, yeah. I might not be able to put that aside. That's the funny thing, Kevin, is like I, I kind of grew up a Niner fan because we don't have a team out here and they're always on TV. Like you just end up hating other franchises well. when you when you pick a team. We do have – I got one thing I want to throw at you. Sounds like this phone call's over then. <laughs> Sounds like we're done. Well, you haven't paid my bet back. Uh, our producer, Swag – Again, grew up here, so you pick your team. He grew up with the Cowboys and Staubach, and he became a diehard Cowboy fan. He jumped off the bandwagon this year. They finally broke him. He is now a free agent of fandom, and I want to get your two cents how often you get listeners out in Dallas. Like, I'm done with this team. They'd either come, come, come crawling back or they truly live by their word, and they're actually done with the Cowboys. <laughs> It's an annual rite of passage after week 17 or after the wild card round because of the history of this playoff team in the last quarter century. But I feel like most of them come back because, like, what did we started talking about at the beginning? Cowboys fans, some of them love to be miserable. So they're like, no, I'll be back. I'll get kicked in the junk again. He is a Blazer fan. That's why I was surprised he jumped off the Cowboy train. He does like to get kicked in the junk. That's he's a also a Dodger fan. And they haven't won a real World Series in over 30 years. That's you know? true. So he's true. Wow. A yeah. lot of suffering. Take over that, pandemic World Series. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Kevin Anglin. Oh, thank Kevin. Go give him a follow on Twitter. Our good buddy, 105.3 The Fan down in Dallas. Enjoy the game this weekend. Thanks for the time, man. Hopefully we can catch up again soon. Later, y'all. There you go, Kevin Hagelin of uh, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Yeah, and the coaching advantage, I think, is in San Francisco. But the secondary did play well. Parsons and company got to Brady. That's a tough part, though, too. Like, I think Dallas has two of the best coordinators in the NFL. I, I genuinely believe that. I think Dan Quinn is one of the best DCs in the NFL. And I, I think, you know, what's happened at OC the last couple of years, he, he is undoubtedly going to get a head coaching job. More. Kellen Moore in the next yeah. year or two. Yeah, I, we'll see. It's... Is Brock Purdy going to throw a pick? Is Dak going to throw a pick? Is Dallas going to be able to run? You know, what is San Francisco's plan of attack if certain things are taken taken away? I We'll go through this as the week goes on. I just, outside of Kansas City, Jacksonville, which I'm st I still don't think I have a feel for yet, I just keep going back and looking at some of these matchups, and I'm like, Buffalo... Cincinnati feels like a field goal game. Yeah, like five and a half feels like it's too much. You know what I mean? And even this one, like I know San Francisco's on a tear right now. I know Brock Purdy's kind of the Cinderella story. Um, but I just, the way Dallas looked against Tampa, Tampa's not a good team, but 
what they have weapons-wise, this just feels like it might be a little closer than it was last year in the wild card. Run. Well, I think you also have to acknowledge, too, Seattle's not a very good team either. That was not a great playoff and they were team, losing at halftime. they were losing them, at halftime. So. They put it on in the second half. But let's not act like Seattle was some juggernaut world beater. They they lucked their way into the playoffs at the end of the year. And and yeah. so I, the 49ers didn't blow out a good team either in wild card weekend. Uh, we will have some more on the division around matchups, maybe a little bit later in the final hour, obviously the next two days as we lead into uh, peekaboo for some divisional round football. I want to get into some college football notes, though, including one chaotic story that might end up benefiting the Pac-12. This is kind of a weird turn. I'll tell you what that is. Uh, we'll get to that some college football notes next on the fan. All right, welcome back in. We'll get to stat or story in the final hour. A couple of notes, including a TV note I want to get to. We also have ratings in from Wildcard Weekend. Ooh, a TV note. I do have a TV note. Like a sports TV note? or No, a non-sports TV note. They're going to bring back Family Matters. No, but he's in commercials again. Yeah. He's back. Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah. Still looks good. That's a pretty funny commercial. Your TV dad. Who would your TV dad be? I saw this on a, because he was on an insurance commercial and somebody posted a question, which TV dad do you choose? And it was a photo of the TV dads. I'd probably take, what was the dad in uh, Boy Meets World? What was his name? Alan. Alan? Yeah. I'd probably go Alan. Hmm. I was probably, of all the shows as a kid, I think I watched that more than any other show. Yeah. There was a Boy Meets World story that I saw yesterday from Nemec. Uh-huh. Did you see that? No. Do you know the guy who played Mr. Feeney? Yeah. The principal? Yeah, yeah. So he's married to this gal. They got married in 1951. She did. She wrote a book, and she basically said they had an open marriage for like 20 years. How about that? Mr. Feeney was just getting down with all the broads in New York. Mr. Feeney was a freak. And then Nemec was like, this ruins it. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. No. It makes it better. It does. Fe- uh, freaky Feeney. Freaky <laughs> Feeney. <laughs> Um, I want to get to this. So we've followed this story for a bit now, and I do. I got a couple of Pac-12 notes I want to get to. So th- th- this ties into the conference. Jaden Rashada is a name you're probably familiar with at this point. He is one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in the country in this 2023 recruiting cycle. He committed to Miami many moons ago, and the initial reports after he committed to Miami were, wow, they paid $8 million for him. Now, who knows how much of these numbers are true, real. Not, it's all just thrown out, and nobody really ever confirms anything. But that was the initial report. Then he decommitted from Miami, and he committed to Florida. And the reports were that he's getting $13 million to go to Florida. How, $13 million to go to Gainesville. Insane. Yeah, not, again, I probably know. not happening. That's what gets thrown out. It, Nobody confirms it. His dad it. said that number was not yes. accurate. Pro- grossly over-exaggerated, uh, probably. Is he getting money? Yes, they're all getting money. How much? Nobody knows. Well, then the weird story continued, and we brought it up, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but basically he is he has not showed up to Florida. And last Friday was the deadline that if he was going to be enrolled for spring ball, that he was going to have to show up and enroll in classes. And he did not show up. And according to Brandon Huffman, good friend of the show, as of yesterday, he has officially filed for a release of his letter of intent that he signed with Florida mm. in December. So this relationship is over. So Florida went from having a five-star quarterback <laughs> to now God yes. knows what. So this is where it gets, so it's weird because I think Florida, assuming they're going to grant his release, I guess they don't technically have to. He signed on the dotted line. I don't know what happens. I, I think you have a point where you grant it. Like I, I think you kind of have to, don't you? If the kid doesn't want to be there and he fights it and doesn't show up. You would think so. It would be bad PR if you're like, no, we're not going to let you out of your deal. You move on. Well, I was reading through this Huffman piece yesterday on 24-7, and it, it gets weird because – Now, this might end up being a huge impact for the Pac-12. And one of the more frustrating things, I think, in college football that I've followed the last handful of years is when you see all these studs 
from Pac-12 footprint territories winning national championships at Alabama or like Brock Bowers was the number one tight end in California. Mm -hmm. And now he's killing it at Georgia. Like, why is that dude not playing Pac-12 football? We have great football out here. Rashada is another example. He's a California kid. The schools that are the three front-running contenders, according to Brandon Huffman, to now land Rashada, who is the number six overall quarterback in the country, number 29 overall prospect. Number one is Arizona State, who did not sign a quarterback in this year's class, but he has a great relationship with Kenny Dillingham. Dillingham recruited him very hard when he was still the OC at Oregon. Number two, and this is all according to Huffman, who's plugged in with this, uh, number two is Washington, mm -hmm. because Washington also lost their quarterback in this year's class. The kid ended up flipping and going to Ohio State. They got Penix for one more year. Hewer just entered the transfer portal. Hey, go sling the rock around in Seattle. Might end up being a big boost for them. The other one is he's a Bay Area kid. According to his dad, Cal is one of the first schools that ever offered him, and he's always thought about the idea of playing home. And Justin Wilcox might now get a chance at landing a five-star quarterback, the number six overall quarterback in the country. And, and should be noted, Arizona State does have Drew Pine transferring they from do. Notre Dame. He might be the starter, but Jalen Rashada comes. I'd imagine, yeah, sorry, Drew, you're sitting on the bench. Look, I, I read that report from Huffman and Wilt Fong, and there's two stories here. There's the what happened in this situation and how much blame is he and his family for this? And then there's the other side. How awesome would that be for Josh Will or for Justin Wilcox to get Jaden Rashada? It's a game changer for him. I'd be so ecstatic for him. I you know, I, I know, you know, Duck fans poke fun at the Wilcox alumni story thing with the note and they have landing now. He's a good dude. And I do think he's a good football coach, but you need you need horses, and he hasn't had horses. Not easy to get him a cow. This this would be huge. Now, like, how much can you rely on a kid who's been so in and out of different recruitments? I mean, he seemed like a a sure thing to Miami, and then out of nowhere, random, I flipped. I'm Florida, mm -hmm. and then signing day came. He committed, and then he signed, but then he didn't show up, and people were like, hey, why is he not here? And then the story started leaking, like, yo, they promised him NIL stuff. It's not coming through. They've backed out of this. Whose check bounced? <laughs> it sounds like they don't have the money that they had said. Now, I don't know if it's $13 million. Again, that's just one number been thrown out. His dad refutes that. That's the number. But there was clearly a deal that was struck that was completely nixed and taken out of. I would be happy for Wilcox. I don't know how much I trust it because my fear with a player like him who's clearly leaning on his dad and his family in this situation, is what if he had a good year? Cal wins six, seven games. He has a great year. What's to stop him from leaving you and going to Texas or Ohio State? Yeah, or, going getting that check you know that I mean? he's wanting right now. Auburn. Yeah. I mean, Hugh Freeze now has a checkbook, and it's legal. Here's Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah, so I, I just – but Wilcox can't operate that way. He's got to operate in the world that he lives, and if he could get Rashada to commit – and come in and play right away. They lost the plumber kid. You take it. I just I, I worry for programs like Cal that he would take advantage of that situation. I, it's not fair. He's really young. He'll learn. But I, I don't like the way this has been handled by him and his family. I don't think it's a good look. No, one of our people in Sex and Insane is this dude, the next Tate Martell. Remember Tate Martell kind of did this coming out of high Fooled school. Fooled people for years. Nobody ever. I don't know. I haven't heard of that guy for two, three years. He was know. a Miami wideout the last I had heard, Yeah, that's right? right. He went to Miami. People thought he was going to be the quarterback. He ended up playing wide receiver. I just I read this as very questionable character decisions. And to your point, I don't know where it's coming from, if it's him, if it's a family member, what's going on there. It might end up being a big, like, imagine if this dude ends up at Washington. 
and you and you as a Husky fan, like end up Husky fan out there listening, you end up getting one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Just kind of falls into your lap. Just sits one year with <laughs> Michael Penix doing his thing next. You year. were not connected to this kid in any way, shape, or form the entire recruiting process. Yeah, he wasn't. Washington wasn't his final one of his final schools when he picked what school he was going to go to. And you might end up landing one of the top thirty players in the country after you lost your quarterback commit to Ohio State, which was a, a, like a stab in the back at the last second, like. And could end up benefiting a Pac-12 program. Now, to your point, maybe he transfers in one year and he's gone. It's a short-lived thing for the conference. But I read that as that's really cool for the Pac-12. You might keep this guy. One other quick Pac-12 note. I saw this over the weekend. FanDuel has already come out with their Heisman odds for 2023. And this is awesome. So the the Caleb Williams is obviously number one. He just won the Heisman. He's going to be returning favorite again. Of the top four candidates to win the Heisman, there are five total players who are 12-1 to 1 or shorter odds. And three of the five and three of the top four are Pac-12 quarterbacks. So Caleb Williams is number one at four to one. Then you have Drake May at UNC at ten to one. After watching him in the bowl game, I, I get that. I don't know if UNC will have the kind of season he needs to win it, but the kid's definitely got the talent. His numbers might be there though. They could, he's got slinging a ton. And then at twelve to one, you have both Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. Mm-hmm. at twelve to one. So three of your top four Heisman candidates for next year are Pac-12 quarterbacks. Yeah, and and it, it sucks to say this, but the reality is, I don't think voters, the way that voters do in baseball, remember for years it was like nobody is a unanimous Hall of Famer, <laughs> and then Jeter does it. Or same thing in the NBA with the MVP until Steph finally does it. Yeah, I'm kind of convinced in college football the voters will never allow another back-to-back Heisman. And we're still waiting. Archie Griffin. Archie was Griffin the last at one? Ohio yeah. State is the last one. I I feel like unless USC goes undefeated, and his well, yeah, he's the only one. Uh, but um, unless UNC, USC goes undefeated and he has a similar production, I I just I don't think voters are giving him a shot. I, I think. Voters are weird in that way. Like, they're afraid. Like, I hear this. Should Jokic actually get another MVP? I'm like, uh, have you watched Denver? Yes. I don't love him, but he's pretty damn good. Damn, he's good. I don't like that narrative, but I think it's set in in college football where they don't want to do that again. And yeah. that was in, what, the mid-70s when they did it with Griffin. A long time ago. And I just, I, I kind of scratch off Caleb Williams on my Heisman if I was betting, if we could bet it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even consider Caleb Williams. I don't think betters would go that way. If I was to pick one, though, I, I think I'd lean Penix. Okay. I think that offense is good. He's going to put up the stats. I'm not saying Oregon's offense won't be good. but God, you're such a hater. I know. I'm such God, a duck hater. Such a beaver honk. I asked there. the question. I'm surprised you didn't say DJ. That'd be my second bet. <laughs> He's at 50-1, to one, though. Is Those he? are long odds. The other guys near the top of the list are uh, Jordan Travis at Florida State. That's a good bet. That dude's a stud. He's also here very well. Yeah. Very well. He's also 12-1. to one. Quinn Ewer, 16-1. to one. And then Brock Vandegriff, who is... You know who Brock Vandegrift is? Of Vandalay Industries? Vandalay Industries. He, no. is the new, he is the next Georgia quarterback. He's your new Stetson Bennett. What's his name? Brock Vandegrift. I hate to say it. He's but, also at 16-1. to 1. But on name basis, that just doesn't sound like a <laughs> successful situation. That's not Southern enough for them. Yeah. Stetson Bennett, like that's as Southern as you can get. That's too highbrow. Who's Van- the cat that came in at the end of the championship game? I think that was Brock Vandegrift. No, it wasn't. It wasn't? Well, no, because he had like a one syllable last name. It's like Becker or something. Oh. Hold on, hold on. I'll find it. Maybe the it was some break. other senior who never got any shine. Is like, hey, thanks for sticking around and being our ball boy. Yeah, this is just according to FanDuel. So I don't know. If, I don't. Maybe he's a big time kid coming in, or he redshirted or something. I don't. I don't know what the answer is there. Mm-hmm. Let's see who came in at the end of the game. Now I got to look it up. I'm almost there. Georgia Carson Beck 
was the guy who came in at the end of the game. Okay. So, yeah. Vandergriff? He is a sophomore at uh, Georgia. I'm not betting a Georgia quarterback either. That <laughs> no. defense is too good. Like, they have too many players. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know. All right. Well, I got a couple of the Pac-12 notes. We'll see if we can get to them in the uh, final hour of the show. Saturday story coming up at 8.15. I want to get to a TV note, though, uh, both sports and non-sports related. Can you guess which game had the highest rating this weekend? Because it kind of surprised me. And uh, are we ready for this show? I'm going to start the final hour there next on 1080 The